Well, um, I, I'm going to continue on talking again um, this evening um, on the laws of the Spirit. Um, we started this here last, last week, but really we've, we've been looking at several different things from the beginning of this year. We've been looking at signs and wonders, um, and we've been looking at our body. And the reason we ended up looking at our body for a long time is because God uses our body. So we ended up looking at using our body. But you know what? Even though um, you know, God uses our bodily mightily, here's the thing about this body that we've ended up looking at. This body can have a mind of its own. And um, it's like, it can be like Herbie, the weak heart. And um, we've seen that in Romans chapter 7 where Paul said, The thing I want to do, I can't seem to do it. And the thing that I don't want to do, that's the very thing I end up doing. And it's because Paul realized that he couldn't do it. And I know we talk many times about our body and say, ah, bring it under. But the, really, the reality of it is, is we need God's strength to be able to bring our body under. And so that's, that's caused us to go this direction at looking at, really, we started looking at walking in the Spirit. And I've got down to looking at the laws of the Spirit at the minute. In the book of Romans, it, it brings out several different laws. And, and not all laws are bad, you know, we're, we're, and it's not that the law, even the Old Testament law that we'll look at tonight, it's not that it's bad, it's good. The problem is, is we can't keep it. That's the problem with it. it, it the law in itself is a good thing. But, you know, um, many times when you talk about laws, people, you know, they can get bogged down thinking, are we under the law? Are we not under the law? Well, we'll see tonight that we're not under the Old Testament law. Amen. Thank God we're not. But, you know, there is a bunch of laws that are listed in the book of Romans. And, in, and over in Romans chapter, chapter 8, let me just see if I can get to this here for a second. This is what we're going to be talking on tonight. The Old Testament law. I like that image. As you'll see that image there, it's I'm just trying to show there, do you know the law is always finger pointing? And it's always trying to tell you what to do. The problem is with the laws, we'll see it as we go along tonight, is that you can't keep it. It's good in itself, but it's not good for you. And it'll, it, 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 won't, it, can't re, it can't produce anything in our lives, apart from it shows us our need of a saviour and we'll end up running to Jesus. That's the good part of it. Amen. But um, look over here, Romans chapter um, 1, or 8 and verse 1, it says there, there is therefore now no condemnation um, to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's two laws that are brought out here. There's the law of sin and death, okay? And then there's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And really, you know, you could put other, you could put, um, other things underneath these. So I've been, I've been looking at the law of sin and death. And there's other things that go underneath that. Like it's like a head and title. It is a law. But these are laws like you would think of, do you know, like the law of electricity. The law of electricity is something that works every single time. That's why it's a law. It's universal. It'll work anywhere on the planet, and it works every time it's put to work. Yet there's a higher law that is the, or not the law of electricity, I'm thinking of the law of uh, gravity that, I'm, th that I'm, I'm going to be getting on to next week. But the law of gravity, it's, it's a law as well, and it works everywhere on the planet. Um, it's, it's consistent, it's universal. That's the thing about a law. It's universal, and it works every single time. There's a higher law to that that is the law of thrust and lift. And um, it's a higher law. And you see, you have the law of sin and death, but there's a higher law. And that higher law is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it's the only thing that can get you out of sin and death. So it's the only way out of it. And I'll get to that next week, but I'm just saying these are laws. 
So you have the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and you have the law of sin and death. I was looking at the law of sin and death last week, and I tell you, when you look at it, I have a CD of it there down the back, um, grab one on the way out, but you see the law of, of sin and death, I tell you, it is so powerful that you can't get out of it by yourself. And I said it was like Chernobyl. You know, whenever um, that disaster happened in Chernobyl, you know, once, it went, once that um, um, happened, that disaster happened, it was too late because it affected everybody in the area. And still to this day, it's still affecting people. The radiation is still affecting people. And that disaster, how it affected people and the side effects of it are still happening to this day. Well, you can look at that of, um, of sin and death. It's the same thing. It's just like um, what Adam did. Adam's sin affected every single one of us. And it put us underneath sin and death, this law of sin and death that we couldn't get out of it. I mean, no matter how hard you try, you cannot get out of the law of sin and death. It is impossible. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are, you're affected. So you can be a good person and affected, or a bad person and affected, but you're still affected by sin and death. Adam's sin affected every single one of us. There's only one way out of it, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? And I want to get into talking about the law of, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We'll, we'll hit on that again. But sin is so deadly. And you know, the Bible says that sin abounded. It abounded so much that it affected every person on this planet. It affected the whole planet. And it affected everything right up until the throne of God, but not including the throne of God. That's how much sin affected this universe. In actual fact, Jesus with his own blood had to go in and cleanse the heavenly utensils with his own blood. That just shows you how much this thing affected and abounded. Amen? It just, it, there was no way out of it. Absolutely trapped. The Bible says that we were slaves to sin. That means you were a slave, and many of you know a slave can't free a slave. So there was no way out of it, and that just shows how powerful that law was. There's an all law that goes with it in the book of Romans. It's called the law of your mind. And the, you know, the law of your mind, it's, it's underneath the, the law of sin and death when, when it's talking about it there. What it's talking about is the law of your mind. Paul talked about it with the law of his mind. You know, that you, in Romans chapter 7, that it didn't matter much, how much willpower you had. It didn't matter, matter how much you thought you could get out of sin. You can't. It doesn't matter how much you try. It's like you're trapped. And I talked about the mind. It's good now that we're saved. We can become spiritually minded. But the mind can't get you out of sin. Willpower can't get you out of sin. Only a saviour can get you out of sin. Amen. Only a saviour can. And thank God that saviour came for every single one of us. Amen. Now, I want to look tonight at the Old Testament law. Again, this is under the law of sin and death. As I say, in Romans, there's several laws that are mentioned. There's the law of sin and death. There's the law of your mind. Okay. There's the law of the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law. And I want to look at this this evening for a, for a while. And, and just, again, under the law of sin and death, because you'll see that the law couldn't even get you out of sin. Can you say this at the start? Many times when you talk about the law, I've, had it, I've, had, I've been questioned many times when you say that you're not, no, like I'll say all the time, I'm not under the law. And people say, well, are you under the Ten Commandments? No. So here's what people hear. People hear if you say that you're not under the Ten Commandments, they hear that you're saying you're not for morality. Have you ever had, anybody that's took, got a hold of grace will understand that. Because people think if you say I'm not under the law, 
and I'm not under the Ten Commandments. Well then people hear that what you're saying is then you're not for morality. No, I'm for the essence of the Ten Commandments. But, and I'm for holiness. So another thing that's what people say, oh if you're not, under, you're not for the law then you're not for holiness. No, I'm for holiness. I just believe you can, you can get to that place of holiness a completely different way. I believe that the Holy Ghost can do a better job in your life than what the law can. Amen. Amen. I believe that the fruit of the Spirit in your life is a far superior way to live than the law. In actual fact, the Bible says when you walk in the fruit of the Spirit, it says against such there is no law. In other words, there's not a law can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Only the Word and the Holy Spirit working together on the inside of you in your new created Spirit can cause you to truly walk in love and joy and peace and all of those qualities. And how many know love? will cause you to fulfill the essence of the Ten Commandments. You can take the Ten Commandments and you can hang them like on two phrases. You know, to love God and to love your neighbor. That's the essence of the Ten Commandments. The first half of the Ten Commandments is all about loving God, honoring God, not putting anything before Him. The other half of the Ten Commandments is about loving people. But you know what? You can't do that without God's help. You can't love people without God's help. You can't even love God without God's help. But when you got born again, the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you and He sheds abroad God's love in your heart. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, where the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. So you have the love of God on the inside of you. And you know what? And you can, you can start to walk in God's love. You need to let God love you and then you love Him. But out of that love, it's amazing. That love is such, a, it's, it's such an amazing thing in our lives. But what that love will do, that love will cause you to love God and it will cause you to love your neighbor. It's greater than any commandment on this planet. So when I'm saying we're not under the law, it's not what I'm, say, I'm saying we're not, we're not under um, morality, that I'm, I'm, I'm immoral now, and that I'm not for holiness. I'm 100% for holiness. But holiness doesn't bring you any closer to God. Holiness is a byproduct of righteousness. It's when you receive Jesus and you're made righteous and you focus on who you are in Christ and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, you know what starts to, be, to come on the branches of your life? Holiness, you end up being more set apart. You'll end up living a, a more set apart life than you ever could have by trying to. By just allowing the grace of God and the love of God and all of those qualities to start to work on the inside of you. It, and it's organic, which means it's, it's living, it's real, it's genuine, it's not put on. Amen. So when I say I'm not under the law and I'm not under the Ten Commandments, I'm not saying that the law is bad. And I'm not saying that the Ten Commandments are bad. The Ten Commandments, the standard of them is awesome. The problem is, is you can't keep it by trying to keep it. That's the problem. And we'll look at a couple of things along those lines. When you, when you come to the, look at the law, the Bible talks about the law that it's obsolete. And obsolete means that it's outdated. It's, it's, it's not for us today. It's like, um, do, you know, do, do you remember whenever you, you got your DVD player back in the day? How, how amazing was that? That technology was amazing. I can remember us getting the first DVD player and going up to Extra Vision and renting out videos. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing going, you know, you went to the, the, the video shop and you rented videos. It was, just, it was just amazing to be able to put on a film on demand that you wanted. That was on demand then. <laughs> you know, take a, and, but you know what, it was, you know, if you got the DVD and it wasn't rewinded, you had to stick it in and rewind it. It took forever to rewind the thing. Video. Video, sorry. The video. 
and you had to rewind it. So you're not used to DVDs now. But you'd stick it in and you know what you had to rewind? Now you just stick it in and you just press a button and you're back to the start. Who'd want to go back to watching video, uh, uh, films on video? No. Crackly and then chewing up on the inside of the thing. You remember that when it chewed up? Or somebody taped over your film that you... <laughs> you sat down to watch it and the next thing you got halfway and then somebody pressed record on the football right in the middle of your film. Videos were great for a time. But how many of you know there's no video shops now? You can't even get DVD shops really now. They're out of fashion. They've gone... They're, they're, they're not in anymore. Were they okay in their time? Yeah. But not for today. But you know what, here's the thing, we'll go and get a DVD today. Or you can even download films on Sky or whatever now, you don't even have to leave the house. And they are in a far better quality, you'll get them in high definition. But you know what, you're still watching films, there's just a different way of watching them. You know what, the law had a time, but it's out now, it's out of date. But now we're under grace. Amen? And you know what, you've seen the, mora the, the, the moral standard of God and you've seen all of that in the Old Testament, but it couldn't produce it. But now we're living in high definition, under grace, if you understand what I'm saying. Who would want to go back to videos? Do you, do you know what I mean? Who wants to go back to the Ten Commandments when you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, giving you help and making you more like Jesus? Who wants to go back there? I, I'll tell you what, I don't want to go back there. Now I can look at the law and I can appreciate it that it's in the Bible. Just like with a DVD, if you have a DVD player, you might still have some in the house. Some, or sorry, videos. You might still have some videos in the house and video. you might even have a video player. And it's okay to be there. But I tell you what, when you go to watch a film, you want to see it on Blu-ray or something. No, you want to see it in high definition. You want to see it at, the, at that best quality that you can watch it in. Amen. Now I know I mixed up DVD and video and all that, but did you get my, did you get my point tonight? <laughs> I'm jumping out of video into, that's like some people under law and grace. One minute they're under grace, the next minute they're under the law and they're back and forwards. That's just the way it is. You know, and you talk to sometimes people and they'll tell you they're under grace, but then just listen to them and they're full of guilt and condemnation and finger pointing. And you know that, yeah, they say they're under grace, but really they haven't got a true revelation of the grace of God. Amen. So thank God that we are under the grace of God. Here's a couple of things about law here for a moment. I, I just wrote a couple of these things down quickly. Um, the law itself is good. It's righteous. It's holy. But as I said, the problem is nobody can keep it. Here's a problem with the law. You have to keep it perfectly. And there's not a person on the face of planet Earth that can keep it perfectly. Amen. Even the holiest Joe on the planet can't keep it perfectly. Um, the law makes no one perfect, the Bible says. It makes nothing perfect. Who wants to be under a system that can't make anything perfect? The law can't justify anyone. That means it can't make a person righteous before God. It can't give you a right standing with God. The law can't save you from your sin. Boys, oh, it's amazing. People are holding on for dear life for something that can't save you from your sin. Um, it demands righteousness from spiritually bankrupt people. But the problem is it can't produce it. Only Jesus can produce that in your life. The law brings man on, um, under a curse. Because Galatians says, Cursed is everyone that doesn't continue in this book to do everything. So you, you, there's not a one of us can do it perfectly. So it puts everybody under a curse. Thank God grace puts you under blessing. 
Amen? The law is a system of works and bondage. It gives knowledge of sin. Again, but it can't save you from your sin. And here's the thing, I'll look at these scriptures here along these lines, but it makes all the world guilty before God. It brings wrath instead of blessing. Why so? Who wants to be under the wrath? And I tell you, anybody that's put themselves under law, do you ever notice they become very wrathful? There's no mercy. It's a system of death and condemnation. Um, Here's another thing about it. It keeps man from God. The law keeps man at a distance from God. He can't come close. Whereas under grace, the Bible tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Who would want to substitute the law in the place of the grace that now we experience? No chance. I'm not going back to videos. Amen. I'm staying in high definition. Um, It had daily sacrifices that couldn't deal with the sin problem. All of these sacrifices that could never take away sin. It couldn't give the new birth. And it can't produce miracles, the Bible says. Uh, It's not a system of faith. And it's not a system of grace. But it's a system of works. And I like this here one here. It's just simply not as good as the new covenant. That's just a simple way of putting it across. I'd rather be under the new covenant any day. You know, when when you talk about the law as well, I say a couple of things here. Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. Fulfill it means they brought it to completion. Fulfill it means he brought it to a place that had done. And none of us could do it, but he could. He didn't come to destroy it. The law is still in our Bible. It's just like videos. He wasn't like a video player. There's none of us going around bashing up a video player and bashing up our videos. They're still there. The law is still in your Bible. But it's just outdated. Just like your camera. None of us are sitting, I remember years ago, those cameras you'd have, none of us are using them today, pulling the negative across. And I can remember cameras that Dad used to have when I was a child, used to stick a flash on the top of it. To take a, this thing you'd stick in the top of it. Who wants to go back to using that and then going and going and getting your photographs developed? And when I was a child, you had to wait for about a week before you got your photographs developed. And then they got a wee bit better technology to where you could go and get it done while you waited, kind of a thing, going to your shop and then get it on the way out. You had an hour's development. That was great. But who, how, how many are thankful for the digital age where you can, you, can, you, you can even take your photographs now and put them straight onto your computer. You can send them digitally off to some company and they'll post your photographs to you now. You know, you just take it even like I have a camera in the house and it'll take video and everything on it at a real high quality. It's just amazing. And you put a wee SD card into it and you can, ta- you can tape for hours and you can, you can take thousands of photographs and it's still not full. Just keep shooting and shooting. And that's like me, because I'm like that. Who wants to go back to sticking a wee flash on top of a camera? And, and then you, you take 24 photographs, and half of them come out blurry, and uh, somebody run across the front of you while you were taking a photograph, and you get three photographs of your holidays. <laughs> but now you get about all... Yeah, when I go away, I come back, and I, I'm not joking, I could have a thousand photographs whenever I'm away on holidays. But you're just taking them all the time, and now you have your phone. You see, that, that's technology that's out of date. And now new technology's in its place. You know, the law was in the Bible and it had a period, a time period. But it was up until Christ. 
And when Jesus came, it's old technology kind of a thing, you understand? And now we're under grace. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. Um, the Bible talks about the law. When it talks about it talks about in Colossians 2, 4, about it, that the handwriting of ordinance, it was blotted out. In um, Ephesians 2 and verse 15, it talks about it was abolished. Amen. Jesus nailed it to his cross. So we're not under it anymore. Thank God it's abolished. It's fulfilled. It's, it's brought to completion. Something new now is in its place. And that's the new covenant grace. In, in, in um, 2, Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says um, that the law was done away with. And it says again the law was done away with. And then it says the law was abolished. And what was done away with what was, was what was written and engraved on stones. Well, what was written and engraved on stones? The Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments has been done away with. Now, it's not saying that they're wrong. Just like the video, or, the DV, or what he called the video player wasn't wrong, and videos weren't wrong. Just something better came in its place that gave you a better quality of watching films. But the law was good in its place. It had its purpose which was to bring us to Christ. But once you receive Jesus, as the Bible says, you need to kick out Hagar, the bondwoman, and her son. You kick that out from, under you, from out of your life, and you embrace Sarah, who is a, a type of grace. So why would you live with, a, with a, a slave that can't bring you freedom when you can have Sarah that can bring you freedom? Amen. It's just, see, sometimes people hear and they hear, oh, you're not under the law. So they hear, oh, you're for sin. You're one of them Christians that just believe and just live in a willy-nilly life. And I've known people that have got a, a so-called grace message. And, the, you know, they the, the, the talk worse than they ever did before they were, were a Christian. And, uh, you know what, they, they do things that they never dreamt of whenever, you know, the, whenever before they were a Christian. But they got a, a message that they think a grace, sloppy grace that just brings a, a, this so-called freedom. But it's a freedom to sin. But I tell you, grace will never give you a freedom to sin because sin destroys your life. Grace will help you get out of your mess. Grace is God's empowerment on your life. It'll truly set you free. Amen. But it's not by you trying to do it. It's by grace working in you. It's something he produces on the inside of you. Amen. Grace will just change you. So there's a bunch of things here. Here's another scripture here as well. I think I have this one to put it up. Hebrews chapter 13. It says, or, uh, chapter 8 verse 13. It says here, In that he saith a new commandment, he hath made the, the, the first old. Now that which is decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. In the Amplified it puts it this way. When God speaks a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And whatsoever is becoming obsolete, out of use, annulled, and grows old, is ready to disappear. It says the same thing in the NIV and the New Living Translation, where it talks about that the law is obsolete. Thank God we're not under it anymore. Amen. That brings so much freedom. And I'll tell you, I'm just laying that foundation here, because sometimes when you talk about the Old Testament law, I can guarantee you, you take a hold of grace, and you tell someone that's religious that you're not under the law anymore, they will look at you like you have two heads. Or they'll think you're, you know, that you're, um, you're, you're carnal. 
They'll think that you're into sin now. Oh, you're just into that old grace living. But they're thinking of grace is that grace that it talks about where people turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, which is a lack of self-control. That's not even grace. Amen? That's not grace. The true grace of God will set you free. So it'll make you more holy. It'll make you more excited about Jesus than you've ever been. It'll make you a better witness. It'll make you more effective. Because now instead of you trying to do it, you've got God living in you doing it through you. And that's far superior. Amen? Um, over here in Galatians, or sorry, not Galatians, Romans. Let me just look here. I'm going to just show several things with the law tonight. And I believe this will help us. I believe when you see these things, you'll say, do you know what, thank God I'm not on dirt. Because as I say, here's the thing about law, and I know it's a, and a natural law, it works every single time. But I've found this out, things like the, even the Old Testament law, you'll get the same results from it every single time. If you sit underneath the law and see these things that I'm talking about here, you'll see them show up in your life. And I'd rather have Jesus' results in my life, and I'd rather have the results of grace in my life any day than the results of the law. Grace will make you more like Jesus. Amen. Grace will cause you to be full of faith. Because when you hear what Jesus has done for you, your faith rises and you just want to trust him. Now, the law reveals problems, but it can't fix them. It, it's like Chernobyl, as I was saying, not Chernobyl. It can tell you all about Chernobyl, but it can't fix it. You know, you can have all the, all the facts about it, but you can't fix the situation. It's the same with the law. The law can tell you... Everything you need to know about sin. But it can't fix sin. Amen. It's often been described, the law has many times been described as a mirror. And what a mirror does is it can reveal things to you. You can look in it and it can show you your weaknesses. It can show you sin. It can show you all of those things. But here's the thing about a mirror, the, the Old Testament law. It can't fix the problem. It can reveal the problem. But it can't fix the problem. It's just like a natural mirror. You can look in it and see a mess, but it can't fix you. <laughs> Amen? It can't fix it. But it can show you what's wrong, but it can't fix you. I often use the law as an x-ray, like an x-ray. An x-ray can reveal the break, but it can't fix the break. And the law can tell you what's wrong with you, but it can't fix you. The problem with the human race is every human being on this planet, apart from receive, uh, those that have received Jesus, but every human being on this planet has been affected by sin and are a sinner by nature and need a saviour. And you never know you need a saviour unless you have the law. The law draws out the problem so that it can be fixed. It's like if you don't know you have a problem, you'll not try and fix it. But here's the thing about the law, the law will draw it out of you. You know, it's like oh, the old generation, if you got a splinter in your hand, do you know, what they used to put a poultice on your hand. And what it would do, it would draw the, the, um, the, the thorn or whatever it was, the, the bit of wood. They would draw the splinter up until the surface. It would draw it from deep down in. It would draw it right up until it came to the surface so that then it could be dealt with. Well, man has a problem deep down in him. And the only way it can be drawn to the surface is the law shining on you, letting you know that there is a problem, but the law then would point to Jesus, the only one who could fix it. So the law is good in its place. It can reveal the problem. But the problem with the law itself is it can't fix it. And so when people stay underneath the law, they're under a system that can't fix them. 
Boys, that has to be frustrating. It is frustrating. I've been there. I've been there. I've been under um, teaching at times in my life where it can tell you the problem, but only grace can fix it. Amen? Only grace can fix you. And it can, you, as, a, as an unsaved person, you need Jesus, but you need Jesus every day of your life, even as a saved person. You need grace. You know, telling people, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that doesn't fix anybody. And sometimes it can be so frustrating because you want it, you want it fixed. But just telling you to fix it or say it, don't do that or don't do this, it can be so frustrating because in actual fact, you realize that, you know, the more you're told not to do something, <laughs> the more you do it. There's something in you that says, when you say thou shalt not, there's something in you that just says, I shall. <laughs> there's, just, there's just something in you. But it's showing that the law can't fix you. And even as a Christian, the law can't fix you. There's only one way to, to take this body and to put it under. And that's through the fruit of the Spirit. There's no other way. Amen. And so instead of looking to the law to fix you, I'd rather look to Jesus and His grace as far superior. I hope that heart's coming out because I, I know I've had people say to me, oh, you, you're just looking for a reason to sin and get away with it. But I know this, walking with Jesus in His grace has caused me to be more excited about Him and the things of God than anything else. Amen? Look here. Romans 3 and verse 19. It says, Now that we know that whatsoever things the law says, it says to them that are under it. And really, the only ones God put under the law were the Jews. The Gentiles weren't even under it. The Jews were. But anyway... But it says here that every mouth may be stopped. And it says, and all the world may become guilty before God. Here's what the law does. The law stops your mouth. You, it, you have nothing to boast about anyway. You'll know. I can't do it. That's what it does. It, it, it brings you to a place of knowing you can't. And what it does is it makes the world guilty before God. The law will make you guilty. And if you sit underneath the law, you'll become a very guilt-ridden Christian. And there are many Christians that can't get on with their life because they're controlled by guilt. The amount of Christians that I've talked to in my 23, 4 years or whatever it is of serving Jesus, the amount of Christians that I've talked to that are crippled with guilt, with guilt is unreal. The amount of people that I've counseled with, talking on one-on-one -on -one with people, after services, after preaching, praying for people. I tell you, it comes up time after time after time. People are guilt-ridden and they can't get on with their lives. But I tell you what, you see, when you come under grace, you realize that your sins and iniquities he remembers no more and you are completely forgiven. You can move on. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Um, and then it says here in verse 20, it says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law can give you the knowledge of sin, but it can't justify you. That's frustration. You see, when you sit underneath the law, you become sin conscious. Thank God when you sit under grace, you become righteous conscious. You get a, a revelation of who you are in Christ. Amen. Um, praise God. Romans chapter 4. Again, I'll go through these pretty quickly. Look what it says here. Romans 4 and verse 15. It says, Because the law works wrath. 
For where no law is, there is no transgression. Do you see, the law lets you know what sin is and says if you cross this point, you're in sin. But the problem is we keep crossing that point. Amen? And that's what we did. We all did it. Every one of us. And none of us are perfect now. But the law can tell you what sin is. And the law works wrath. There's punishment and all of those things that come with it. And again, that's what I'm saying. People who are under law, they're guilt-ridden, so they, get, they, they bring guilt and condemnation to others. Um, they're full of wrath. They're angry. Boy, some Christians are so angry. And they're so angry, and they think they're being like, really helpful. They're so angry against sin. And yes, we, we should all not be happy with sin. Sin's terrible. But I mean, they're so angry with people. And they have no mercy in their lives towards people. Because they're just angry and they're finger pointing. Maybe, you know, the, lo the love of God won't cause you to rejoice in iniquity. But I tell you, it'll cause you to still reach the sinner. And, start, and love the sinner. And understand that the sinner is lost and needs a saviour. But the law will make you just judgmental and condemning. And condemning everybody and everything that they do. And what it does, it pushes people away from Jesus. Amen. Um, Romans 5 and verse 12. It says here, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Verse 13. For until the law sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. You see there had to be a law and then say. You, you, you messed up here. And now we're putting that sin to your account. And that's what the law did. The law keeps putting sin to your account. Now you know at the cross, God put all of your sin on Jesus' account and he paid for it in full. And do you know what he imputed to your account? Righteousness. So you, you, it's just a completely different covenant. But under sin, you get sin. Or under law, you get sin constantly imputed to your account. It's just like it keeps totaling up and you just become so sin conscious. Thank God for Jesus who took all our sin. Um, in Romans, or Romans 5 and verse 20, it says here, Moreover the law entered, that the offence might abound. People say the law came to stop sin. No, the law actually magnified it. And actually, it, it was like a big magnifying glass over the problem to show you just how big it was. So the law can't fix sin. Now you know I'm reading all these scriptures out of the Bible. <laughs> Yet people wouldn't believe they're in the Bible. Yet the Bible says clearly that the law entered that the offence might abound. It shows how bad the problem is. It, it can't fix it. But what it can do is just magnify the problem and show you the extent of the problem. Just like Chernobyl, it, any, any researcher can go and research and show the extent of the problem. But there's no one can go in and fix it. Well, do you know what? That was what it was like with sin. But thank God there was a hero who came called Jesus. And he came and he could fix the sin issue. And that's why there's only salvation in him and none other. Amen. Um, Romans 7. Again, this is talking to those that know the law. And it talks a bit about marriage here. But really what it's showing here is the law. And um, I will get back to this in a couple of weeks and show that. Thank God that we're, we're married to a new husband. Amen. To Jesus. Thank God we're not married to law. Romans 7 and verse 1. It says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Boys, oh, 
dominion over you but can't fix you. Dominion over you that just keeps showing all your faults and your failures. Brings guilt and condemnation to you. You can't get out of it. There had to be a death to get you out of it. But thank God, and not our death, Jesus' death. He came and died in our place. But it takes a death to get out from underneath the law. That's what it's saying here. Verse 2, For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. For us to be loosed from the law, someone had to die. And thank God Jesus came and he died in our place and provided us with a death because that was actually our death so that our old man could die and we could become a new creature and that new creature now is married to him. Amen. We're his and he's ours. But it's shown there that, you know what, the law is binding. It's controlling and it can't fix you. Who wants to live underneath the law? Yet people are fighting for it for dear life. Holding on for, for dear life, something that can't fix you, can't change you, can't make you righteous, can't save you, can't give you a righteousness consciousness, can't bring you close to God. Oh, thank God for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Romans 7. There's an amazing scripture here along these same lines of sin being drawn out. Look what it says here. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law. See, the law itself is good. This is what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 7. But he said, but it's not good for you. When you sit underneath it and you hear thou shalt not, it just starts stirring up all of this stuff on the inside of you. And it says, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. The law is good. But it says, but I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. But here's the problem. It's like sin came bullying in. It said sin took occasion by the commandment and wrought in me all of these evil desires. That's what concupience means. It woke up all of this stuff on the inside of, of Paul. This is what he was saying. Paul said, I didn't know what lust was and all of those things until the Bible said, Thou shalt not covet. And he says, and lo and behold, next thing I'm lusting for everything. It's like saying, Thou shalt not have that Mars bar Easter egg. And you know what? I tell you, then you start, if you like Mars bars, and somebody starts talking to you about Mars bar Easter egg, do you know what? You end up you want it. Joe, my mum sat up in, in Lurgan Town Centre one day and she sat up, and this was before Easter, a couple, good few years ago, but she sat in the car and somebody was in the shop. I think, I think Dad might actually been in the, in the bank. And Dad was, and mum was sitting in the car and she was looking in the shop window and there was an Easter egg in it. And she, the more she looked at it, the more she wanted it. And the more she looked at it, the more she wanted it. And my dad came out and she was eating it. <laughs> she had went and got it and sat in the, at the egg. Do you know what? Here, here's the thing, you know, willpower can't overcome sin. And so the problem was there. It's already there. But you see, the law magnified the problem. So when the law came and said, thou shalt not have this or thou shalt not have that, it's amazing how there's something in you that just goes, I shall. That's why when you preach hard on sin, it doesn't fix it. And actually, you know, see, people try to fix um, you know, sexual sins by preaching really hard on sexual sins. So they come in to beat up the whole church on sexual sins. And I, I tell you, people leave there full of lust. They leave there just 
you know what I mean? Thinking about things like that. Do you know why? Because all of that was stirred up. But I'm telling you, do you see if you talk about Jesus and how great he is, and you start talking about love, and you start talking about his love for you, and you start talking about how that, you know, um, Jesus, um, as, a, as a good husband for his wife, he starts washing his wife, the body of Christ, with good words, as it says over in Ephesians. And when he does, he speaks well over you. Do you know what? When you, do you, do you know what? You sit underneath that and you see how good Jesus is to his bride, Jesus is to his body, and you realize, like, say, it's your, your wife, and you realize that your wife is bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. Do you know what? Do you know when you sit underneath that? Do you know what? Do you know what it does? And you, you start saying, do you know what? I'm going to go home and tell my wife how great she is. Because the, the grace stirs up a true desire to love. Whereas law can tell you what's wrong and tell you what's sin and tell you this is rotten and that's rotten, blah, 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 all of those things. But what it does, instead of fixing the problem, it wakes the problem up and it actually amplifies it. And Paul said, I wouldn't have known lust until the Bible said, thou shalt not covet. And you see, when I heard that, I ended up lusting for everything. Stayed up lusting for position, lusting for people's things, lusting for this, lusting for that. Because just telling somebody, don't do it, we all know it. There's something in us that just says, I want to. Joe, you know, I've done this experiment tons of times on my kids over the, um, over the years. I've sat down at a table we've been eating or whatever, and I'll turn around and say, do you see that um, salt? Do not touch it. And they just start looking at it. Don't touch it. And they start looking at it. And you know what? The next thing you see is, Bip. do you know why? Because I drew attention to it. And I told them they couldn't touch it. And there's something in them that says, no, I want to. Yeah? There's just something now I want to. That's why, you see, grace doesn't go and just tell you, don't do this and don't do that. Do you know what grace does? Grace shows you a better way. Grace shows you why doing that, how much it'll hurt you and destroy you. And it'll show you a better way to where you end up, you don't want to do it. You just don't want to. You have a want to for something else. Because God, grace will give you the want to, to do things the way God wants to. That's, I, I, you know, I, I, that's what it does. Amen. Um, look, look here, Romans 7, verse um, 9. It says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived. And look at this, and I, I died. And the, uh, it says in verse 10, And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. And sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it it slew me. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. The law can't produce anything living in you. It kills. It actually, it's like I say, it's like a chokehold. It's killing you. But you know what? Grace is, grace is like fresh air, oxygen being pumped in you. It, ma it makes everything alive. And the good things in God. Amen? Um, Romans um, 8 it says here, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Look at this. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak for, um, in the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. The Bible says what the law could not do. The law couldn't do it. But who could? Jesus. See, Jesus came and done, done for us what the law couldn't do. He came and saved us. He set us free from sin. The law can't do it. Once you get a revelation of it, it's like it baffles you. But you know what? When you're there yourself, it's like you can't see it. You can't see 
that it's only Jesus can set you free because you think that your good works can do it or my, my faithfulness can do it and all of these things. No, but when you realize it's his faithfulness and what he done for you, it, it just changes everything. When you realize it's not your obedience, but it was his obedience that saved you, it just changes everything. What the law couldn't do. Um, um, no scripture, I'll just call this out. Hebrews 7 verse 19. It says, for the law made nothing perfect. The law couldn't do it. In other words, <laughs> the law can't do it. There's only one person who could do it. Jesus Christ. Amen? Only Jesus could do it. Nobody else could. The law condemns. I love the story of... Um, when the woman that they caught in the very act of adultery and they threw her down at Jesus' feet and they came trying to get Jesus to operate in the law to kill this woman but Jesus turned around and said let him that is without sin throw the first stone and you know what Jesus took that law and he just shone it in each one of their faces and it, the very thing that they came to try and bring this woman to a place of guilt and condemnation to kill her, to condemn her. Jesus used it on every one of them to let them know none of you can keep it either. There's not a one of you can keep it. And Jesus said, let him that is without um, sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says that they left from the eldest to the youngest. Which really woke me up to something. Because I used to think the more you went on, under law, the better you would be at keeping it. And, uh, and it's the opposite. The more you go on, the more guilt-ridden you become. And you know what? The more failures you have in your life, the more you go on, and the more it condemns you. I'd far rather come under grace, knowing that I'm not under sin consciousness anymore, that Jesus took all my failures, he took all my sin, and now, that I, ha now I have his righteousness, and I can stand before him righteous, without a sense of inferiority or guilt, without sin complex, Amen. And know that I'm forgiven. Know that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Know that sin is not being put to my account. But righteousness has been put to my account. And I can stand there free and run into the presence of God. And not have to leave the presence of God because I feel unworthy. My worthiness is not me. My worthiness is not my goodness. My worthiness is Jesus' goodness and what he done for me. And he took my sin and gave me his righteousness. That's the new covenant. Amen. And I'd far rather live in the new covenant than live in the old covenant any day. Amen. Any day. You need Jesus. There's, a, there's an old law in the book of Romans and it's called the law, the law of righteousness. And there's two righteousnesses. There's the righteousness that man tries by keeping the law. Again, this is under this point. Do you know, all of your right living will never make you righteous. But that's the law of righteousness. But then there's faith righteousness. And that's not based on what you do. That's based on what Jesus has done for you. Amen. That's called faith righteousness. I'll just let you see these scriptures. Romans 9. It talks about um, the, the law of righteousness there. Versus the, the righteousness of faith. Amen. The law of righteousness is trying to become righteous by keeping the law. The Old Testament law. Faith righteousness is putting faith in a saviour and letting him make you righteous. Amen. Um, I, I want to just show one scripture here and I'll close here. Um, it talks here about Israel. They tried to, to become righteous by keeping the law and they never did. Were the Gentiles? Do you know what they did? Bunch of heathens. 
bunch of sinners. Do you know what they did? They just, they just put faith in Jesus and they ended up righteous. And the Bible says here that, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that what? believes. All you had to do was believe, right? Here's, here's the thing here. Have any of you seen these here before? Steady hand test. Now, that's like the law. That's like the Old Testament law. These steady hand tests. But the thing is, you have to do this perfectly. Now, you imagine that there is your whole life. And you have to live a perfect life from you were born until the day you die, perfectly righteous. Many, many of you blew it right from a child. Every one of us did. But you know what? Here's what Jesus did. Jesus lived the perfect life for you. And once you receive Jesus, you receive what he done for you. And he takes you right to the end. That's why the Bible says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone believes. You don't have to live a righteous life to become righteous. You have to put faith in Jesus to become righteous. Amen? You just have to put faith. I know I, I'm right good at them steady hand things. But I can remember doing one that was a big long one. And I eventually did it. But I didn't get it the first time. Well, do you know what? That's like the law. I didn't get it the first time, so I failed. And you don't get a second chance. Who wants to be under the law where you have to keep it perfectly? And you're never going to keep it. It's going to tell you you failed. It's going to tell you you're a sinner. And all of those things. But it can't fix you. Because you know what? Jesus came and he lived that law and he fulfilled the law not for himself for you he did it in your place he came and he died in your place he did it all for you amen and he's the fulfillment of the law and it's so simple for us to become righteous you just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth you believe in your heart the lord jesus and you confess with your mouth for the heart man believes unto righteousness amen you just believe in your heart you just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And you know what happens? It's like he brings you right to the end of that steady hand test and declares you righteous. You are righteous and you stand in your Father's presence as if you never sinned. Amen? Praise God for righteousness. Thank God for Jesus. These laws are in the book of Romans. The law of sin and death. You know what? It's powerful. But thank God Jesus took us out of it. Amen? All of these laws. The law of the mind. I couldn't fix it. But you know what? Jesus could. And the law, the Old Testament law, it can't fix you. But thank God Jesus came and he fulfilled it. And he just gives us his righteousness whenever we make him the Lord and Savior of our lives. Amen.